Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, chapter 9, Acts 9. We're going to look at the conversion of the apostle Paul as God apprehended him. Even Paul himself said that he was apprehended. What does that mean? God found him, sought him out, because he had a special purpose for him. Now, the good news is, God knows you and has sought you out because he has a special purpose for you. You see, God doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. doesn't matter what the devil told you all week long, that you're a mistake. You should go out and jump off the bridge. God has a purpose for you. But anything you do less than what God has called you to do will be a meaningless experience. You can't find satisfaction in a world when God has designed you for a specific purpose. And so this morning, as we look at this, this is really an interesting thing because uh, Paul was a, was a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, yet he was raised in the Grecian culture, the Roman culture, who were very artistic, artsy, craftsy versus the Jewish line of thinking, which was very legalistic, very this and thous and do's and don'ts. And yet God called him for a specific purpose because God was going to use him not only to reach the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 9, if you're wondering what's wrong with my face, I got to watch out for my wife's left hook, man. It's powerful. No, just kidding. I went to the dentist and they, I, you know what? When you're numb, you don't know what they're doing, do you? I mean, they, they could drive steel spikes through your chin. You don't have a clue. So I, when I got done, I went, oh no. And I had this black and blue stripe down the side of my mouth. But anyway, uh, that's what dentists do to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. This morning, may your Holy Spirit come now in a special way and bless, touch, cause us to remember the things that we are about to read, that we would be able to apply them to our life, and they would stick with us through the rest of our life to remind us always that you are worth serving because you're a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, we remember that um, church was growing There was a guy named Stephen who was originally called to wait on tables. Um, And um, God began to really use him in a great way. And uh, they arrested him. And he gave his testimony to the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, the organized religion, if you will. And they went rabid. They got him, they stopped up their ears, they drug him out, and they stoned him to death. And while they're stoning him to death, there was a man named Saul of Tarshish that was holding the coats, consenting to Stephen's death. That was Saul, the one we're reading about. He was breathing threats out against the church. He was one bad dude. And yet we know that in God, nothing's impossible. You know, the Bible says Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies. I think this is one of those illustrations where praying for your enemies actually was fulfilled in a very dynamic way because he went from Saul, persecutor of the church, to Paul, 
promoter of the church. Nothing is hard for God. So when we look at this, first thing we want to realize, the experiences that Saul of Tarshish had, being raised in the, you might say, the center of of the uh, Roman culture, yet very much a Hebrew had kind of a cross-pollinization of this. Hey, listen, your life is not by accident. And God will use you right where you are. I look back even at my own life and I, I think about those things that God put in me. Now, again, we have to, first of all, understand a couple of things. One, you don't determine who you are. Wow. Isn't that weird? You discover who you are. Isn't that weird? How you might want to pick up a guitar and play and no matter how many lessons you have, you don't know which side of the guitar to try to play. Oh, the strings are supposed to go on the outside. I get it. But you look at that and you realize you discover who you are. Why do you have a propensity in your life for one particular hobby or musician or something over something else? You discover who you are. And I believe in the course of a lifetime, as God reveals to us who we are, it's what we do with it. Now, not only does God use your upbringing, good or bad, he can still use it. Certainly, Saul was this way. But he also adds to us, as we become Christians, uh, via the power of the Holy Spirit that we've already been studying about, Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. So, when we look at this... We realize that God has you in mind when he made you for his kingdom. And I think that's really important. Now, we start off here, Acts chapter 9. And uh, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he may, if he found anyone who was in the way, which is, that was what they called the early church then, whether man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, actually to kill them. Now remind you, Saul did not discriminate against men or women. He wanted to kill them all. Now he was doing all of this in the name of God. Can you think about that for a minute? You think of some of the horrendous things that have been done down through the history of ages in the name of God that God had nothing to do with. Believe me, the devil fronts that in the world to show that God is not real or God is not love. But we can't let him get away with it. And I always try to do my best to straighten that out. There's many things that have been done in wars that say, well, God told me to do this. Listen, when God tells you to do something, you do it. But remember, the other things that go on in this world, I believe the devil has a way of masquerading or counterfeiting. He's the master counterfeiter. And he will come along as a religious person. And we see it on TV all the time. You see people talk a little bit about Jesus and they got their hand out. They want money and miracle wallets and all this junk. Or they have a gospel that's not a true gospel. 
Well, God wants every Christian to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And you, you just use your magic faith words and you can have that new shiny Americanus Maximus out there in the parking lot with tinted glass and airco. That's all for you, baby. Is that really what God has taught in his word? No, but the thing is, it appeals to a person's flesh. Now, the Bible tells us that God reaches out to our spirit. Because it doesn't matter what you possess, it's your contentment in your soul is what causes you to be able to sleep at night. Do you realize some of the richest people in the world, as you've looked, seen, commit suicide, are the most miserable people on earth? Why? Because it isn't what a man or woman possesses, it's what's in their heart and their directive and what God has called them to do. Aside from that, there is no real satisfaction. Mick Jagger, years ago in the 60s, wrote a song, I can't get no satisfaction if I tried. Some of you older people, you remember that. The problem is, what he said was true. Apart from Christ, there is no satisfaction in the world. This is why they call marijuana the stepping stone to bigger drugs. Why? Because, well, this gave me a buzz, but now I want a bigger buzz. But listen, you don't have to be in the drug world to be looking for a buzz. I remember years ago, and I've shared this before, but I always thought it was so funny. The Honda 50 came out. I remember the ad, and it's got a girl there, and they had the college by, and she's sitting there on her little Honda 50. And the bottom thing, it says, you meet the nicest people on a Honda. That was the commercial. And people got those. You could feel the wind blowing through your, this is groovy, man. But then the Honda 90 came out. Nobody wanted the Honda 50 anymore. Because the Honda 90, instead of only going 45, this one would go 55. Well, then the 250 came out. No one wanted the 50 or the 90 anymore because the twin came out. Well, then Harley came along with their, as they've always been along, they came along. And somebody told me one time the reason Harley Davidson never got into building computers, they couldn't figure out how to make them leak oil. But anyway, that's another whole topic. And you know the difference between a Harley-Davidson driver and a Hoover vacuum cleaner, right? The dirt bag's on the outside. Okay. Sorry, all you Harley people, don't kill me afterwards. I've already been beat up enough. Um, but the point is, there was always a bigger thrill. There was the, then there was the Honda Goldwing, and then there was the 1000cc. And now I see where... And I I always think this is funny because, you know, jet skis were the same way. They had the little pity puddle jumper, you know, the toe jammer. And and they they got bigger and bigger. And now somebody said, well, hey, we'll put a great big engine in a jet ski. You've got a boat again. Somehow we don't get it. But we're looking for the thrill. Well, this is what I believe happens with us. And unless we find our fulfillment in Christ, we just continually chase our tail through all of life. Now, Paul, looking for that purpose of life, believing that God was actually commissioning him to go out and kill people in the name of God. Well, 
Look what it says. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Now, this is where his letters were, so he could go arrest Christians when he found them. And it says, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, this is a very unusual thing that, that uh, Jesus said to him. I'm sure it probably meant a lot more to maybe Saul than it did to us. But in those days, they would put goads on the, on the, on the apparatus of the ox carts so that if the, if the ox was to kick, the goads would prod it so it wouldn't do that. Also, goads were used to motivate the animal to go. And so God is saying to Saul, you have been prodded by the Holy Spirit. No doubt when he held the coats as they were stoning Steve to death. And this is why I attribute really chapter 8 to the conversion of Saul. Because I believe part of them when he was holding the coats consenting to Stephen's death was really bothering him inside. Have you ever noticed that in your life? You'll be doing things... And this is whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. You'll be doing things that bother you because you know they're not right, yet you continue to do them. That's called conviction. And conviction is not just for an unsafe person. Conviction is also for believers as well. That's why you don't really find any peace or satisfaction in living in the world, and here's why. If you're a Christian here today, and you decide to take a stride from the master's side, play on the wrong side of the fence, I can tell you one thing, you're not happy. Why is that? Because you know the world is a lie. The things that are in the world, the Bible talks about that. All the glimmer, all the gleam are fading. They're passing away. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so this is why we know that a person who is in the world, you're not happy in Jesus because you don't want to use, you don't want to surrender your will. And you're not happy in the world because you know it's a lie. There's only one thing you can do. That's repent. Now you say, well, Mike, I don't have a heart that wants to repent. Then that's what you need to ask God to give you. Say, Lord, give me a heart of repentance so I'll hate the sin that I'm involved in as much as you do. And you'll watch God change your heart. I believe God changes hearts. I think what we're reading here this morning is one of the shining most examples in the Bible of a transformation from a person who went from a persecutor of Christians to one that supported Christians. And so he says, it's hard for you to kick against the conviction, the proddings of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you had to know that had to bug him. When there's throwing rocks at Stephen, and he said, Lord, don't lay this to, to their account. Forgive them. Man, I'll tell you, if I was doing that, I'd say, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. I, I believe that's what really was happening in Saul's heart. And so finally, the Lord laid him out. Now, i tell you something. How God lays this out is an amazing thing, isn't it? 
how God gets our attention in life. God got Saul's attention by a voice and laying him out on the ground. But I'll tell you something, you can hear God's voice by being laid out on a hospital bed. You can get laid out on the road by a negative prognosis from your doctor saying you've got terminal cancer. There's a lot of ways that we can get, you might say, God's attention. Well, when you look at this, you find here that he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I think this is really important because really, apart from repentance, there is no true conversion. Uh, Jesus looked at the woman caught in adultery, said, go and sin no more. I really believe that, uh, that repentance is the key part of accepting Christ as your Savior. And in this statement right here, this is what Saul is saying. Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I know what I'm going to go do. I'm on my way to Damascus to kill Christians, <laughs> to arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. That's what I'm doing. Now, what do you want me to do? And that's what really comes down to becoming a Christian. You just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, you only got so many more days left on this, on this earth. I don't know how many you got, but I'll tell you something. Every day is precious. Every day is a day you can lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. So when we understand then that what do you want me to do, this goes back to the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, we're surrendering our will to God. Saul here is surrendering his will to God. Lord, what will you have me to do? And I would just invite all of you, really honestly, pray it every day. Lord, what do you want me to do today for you? Here's your hands, here's your feet. Let's go. What do you want me to do? And God does those very things. Now he says, and the Lord said to him, I don't know. No, he didn't say that. He said, arise, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Ah, I don't like this because I like the whole plan spilled out in front of me. You know, I have found all the way through the Bible, this is God's MO, mode of operandi, the way he works. He gives you the first command, do that, and then I'll tell you the next thing you need to do. Why does God do that? Well, first of all, I think God really digs talking to you and me. He just does. If he gave me the whole plan, I'd say, thanks, God. I'll see you when I get this big list done. But God gives us one step at a time. Now, a lot of times, I really believe the reason why we only get one step at a time, because if God was to tell you everything he was going to do in your life, first of all, you'd walk away. You'd say, it's too big a job. I can't do it. I really believe the reason why God gives us one step at a time, because in that, we see the successes of God in our life, which then builds faith for the next step that he's going to do. I look at my own life. Here I was a little geeky, skinny. Well, you see my kid running around here. That's a carbon copy. I couldn't play football. They'd snap me like a blade of grass. 
I got into radios and I, you know, was a geek. And radio just really fascinated me because you could reach people and talk to people through radio. I also really had a love for the Bible. My mom read us the Bible every day when I was growing up. And and so I, I, I began to really understand the principles of God's word. This is the way this world works. Now, there's a way the world says the world works, but I know that ain't true because if that was true, they'd be happy and they're not. So I look at what the Bible had to say about that, and I combined that love of radio and things like that and electronics to the Bible. And if God was to say, well, you know, someday we're going to have a fellowship of a church and you're going to have nine or 500 radio stations, I would have said, you are nuts. But that's what God did. And I look back, it's step by step by step by step. You know, and friends, it's not a run. It's not, the Bible calls our relationship with God, our walk with him. You've heard it many times. Again, it's because that's what it is. One foot in front of another, in front of another. And some days I don't feel real Christian. (laughs) Some days I don't feel anything, especially this past week. As they... I don't know. I still don't know what they did, but but it's better now, I guess. The point is, is this. One step in front of another, this is how God guides us and leads us to where he wants us to be. And so I don't need the whole plan spilled out before me. All I need is for God, like Saul, arise, go to... Go to Damascus, and you'll be told there what you need to do. Don't demand too much out of God. I want the whole plan right now. I want the whole enchilada right now. God says no. I'll tell you what you need, because we're going to build on that faith to build on your next faith. Glory to glory, the Bible says that's the way we grow. So he says, And the men who journeyed with him, stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Now, it's interesting. It says they, were, they heard the voice, but saw no one. However, in, in Acts 22, Paul is giving his testimony. He says, those that were with me um, didn't hear the voice. Uh-oh, contradiction in the Bible. But when we go into the Greek, that's what solves this problem. It's not that they didn't hear him. They heard him, but they didn't understand anything. It was garbled to them. In the, in the, in the uh, uh, original language, it says that they didn't understand, though, the phonetics. So essentially, they didn't hear anything because it, they didn't make any sense to them. But notice it says here, stood speechless, hearing the voice, seeing no, hearing no one, excuse me, seeing no one, but they heard. Then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. They led him by the hand. He opened his eyes. He's blind. Wow, God, that's weird. I, 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 I thought that we're all supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's what the TV evangelist said that was selling the miracle wallets. 
And right now, if you act in the next five minutes, you get two Miracle Wallets for only $29.95 with free shipping. I look at the scams going on. I go, ah! I listen to the begathons on Christian radio. It makes me absolutely sick. Somebody asked me one time, what motivated you to start Christian radio? And I said, because I hated Christian radio. It was nothing but a big scam. Everybody's on the take. You don't think the world sees it? That's why they're upset oftentimes. But real, true gospel, yes, we need money to operate and everything like that. But I trust God to lay it on people's heart, not do scams and begathons and all that kind of stuff. You see, there's a big difference where God guide, God provides. And I believe that there's a truth in the Bible that says he will supply all our needs, your needs, my needs, according to his riches and glory. Friends, that's a big difference. Who's supplying what you need today? Is it your cunningness? Your craftiness? You see, that was the problem with a guy named Jacob. Jacob, in the Old Testament came out of his mother's womb holding on to his brother's heel. Esau came out first. Jacob came out second, holding on to his brother. His name means, Jacob means heel catcher, surplanter, con man. Oh, what a nice little child you have. What's, What's his name? Con man. Oh, okay, that's great. That's what it really means. He dirty sneaky, dirty sneaky thiefed his brother out of his birthright. You remember the story if you study the Bible all going back to the book of Genesis. His brother comes in. I'm famished. I'm going to starve to death. Now, yeah, his brother's being melodramatic. And, and Jacob goes, I'll tell you what. If you'll give me your birthright, I'll give you some of this nice porridge I just made for your birthright. Well, what good is a birthright if I starve to death? I, don't you think that's a little melodramatic? Anyway, give me that. So he ate it and ate it all up. And the Bible says from that point on, he despised his birthright. Uh, Esau did. Anyway, we remember he deceived his father, put animal skins on his heart. Esau, the Bible says his name was Harry. I mean, if you put an animal skin on your arm, your dad feels, you. oh, yeah, that's Esau, all right. He'd done all these things. He, he did different things with his father-in-law, all these things. Finally, he leaves the land of his, where his wives were from, goes now <clears throat> on his way back to the promised land, and he hears Esau's coming with 400 men. And Esau's, <laughs> Jacob goes, I, I don't think there's a welcoming committee. He's coming to get me. So he starts by making groups of sheep and he sends them to him like waves as, as, as a, a kind of a soften you up thing. And he realizes he's probably going to meet his demise by his brother's hand. So he sends his wives away and he's all alone in a tent. And the Bible says, <clears throat> angel came with him and wrestled with him all night long. This is weird. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You've sent your family away. An individual shows up and starts Georgia Championship wrestling. It's the pile driver. No, I don't know what they were doing. 
But they were doing something. Wrestled with him all night long. The sun is getting ready to come up. Day is breaking. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let go of you unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Dirty Sneaky Thief, Heel Catcher, Sir Planner. He says, from now on, you're going to be called Israel, chosen by God, who wrestled with God. Literally, you were selected by God, chosen by God. And the Lord touched his hip and it went out of joint. He limped from that day forward. Now, what's weird, that was a touch from God that was a crippling touch. Again, goes against everything you learn on TV. But God sometimes gets our attention, like he got Saul's, like he gets us. It was a crippling touch that caused Jacob to realize who God is. Here you find the same thing. Lord, what do you want me to do? Go to Damascus. He gets up off the ground, he opens his eyes, but he's blind. Here, another place where God's touch was not a healing touch, but a crippling touch. Why does God allow that to happen? God has his purposes, friends. I don't always know. You know, when I think I'm in control, I'm wheeling and dealing. It's all about me, you know. And then God brings some difficulty into your life. And you know, it doesn't have to be that big a difficulty to really get your attention. Have you noticed that? In fact, think about this, Christians. How many times have God got you through the worst pinches in life? You prayed for him to heal you. He heals you. All the different things you do until the next trial comes. And then we go, God, where are you? I guess you're not real. Blah, blah, blah. And we forget about all the things that God did for us. Isn't that weird how short memory we are. We all got a little bit of the Alzheimer thing going on. We forget what God has done for us in the past. But he gets up and he goes and does what God tells him to do. Now, Saul arose from the ground. His eyes were opened. He saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. I mean, this rocked his world. Sometimes we need that. You know, sometimes we just need something to really haul off and smack us really good in the head. And you know, sometimes when you think you got the world by the tail, you're the man in control. It isn't until something happens that we have no control of that we realize we're not in control. Well, notice, there was a certain disciple. Now, it doesn't say an apostle, just a disciple. Just as you, just as me. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight. Inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For he, for behold, he is praying. And in the vision, 
he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and getting his hand so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, I have heard many things about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. He was scared. God tells him in a dream, now I want you to go see this guy named Saul of Tarshish. Um, This guy was a professional serial killer, if you will, Saul was. And he targeted just one particular group of people. And God gives this guy a vision and say, okay, I want you to go down. I want you to meet with this Saul of Tarshish. I've already prepared his heart. Now I want you to go down and do what I tell you to do. And he had authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. They already knew he was gunning for them. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I look at this and I go, this to me is amazing. He's chosen by me. Do you realize something this morning? You're chosen by God. Do you realize in your group of friends, in your sphere of influence, that you're like a Saul of Tarshish, that you are really chosen by God for his purpose? Do you realize you'll, many of your friends will never come in contact with a pastor or a priest or a Sunday school teacher or anybody else? You may be the only point of contact for them to know who God is. Well, this is what he says. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yes, just as Saul brought on the punish, the, 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 the suffering of many Christians, now Paul was going to suffer for his relationship with God. And Ananias went his way. In other words, he did what God told him to do. Went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on, on him said, Brother Saul, I, I like that, Brother Saul. It wasn't you low-down, rotten scoundrel. You know how many people you've killed, and you know all these things you've done? He goes, Brother Saul. I, I am always taken back by that when I see that benevolence in the Bible. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I look at that and I think, wow, God, nothing's hard for you. You might have some kids that uh, mom and dad that you think have gone sideways and they'll never come back to God. You keep praying for them. I believe God is a God of miracles. I believe he changes circumstances and situations. I believe they got the world by the tail right now, but you never know what God and how God will get a hold of them. In fact, you know, there's an interesting verse in the Bible, and it says, knowing this, it's the goodness of God that causes a man to repent. I remember there was a person years ago, he was pretty famous, and he um, had a little baby. He was not a believer. And he looked at all the things that he had, and he looked at his newborn son, and he said, you know, he says, I knew that I wanted to thank 
someone for all my blessings in my life and I didn't know who it was. And he sought out God to say, thank you. I like that. It, 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 there's, there's a desire in us to, to say thank you. You know, we've got Thanksgiving coming up next month. And I think of all the people across our land that don't know who to thank for all the wonderful things that they have. And always remember this, thankfulness is not what you, what you have, it's a condition of the heart. If we're not thankful for what we have, we won't be thankful for what we get. And so when we stop to think about it for a minute, you go, wow, God, thank you. Well, Saul was this person who God reached out in a divine way, but the body of Christ was part of his conversion to him. Do you realize that for you and me as well? That we're all responsible, that we all have a hand in making sure that everybody crosses the finish line? I like that. God doesn't have favorites. This morning, I just want to encourage you to think about a couple of things. One, if God did something in your life and you got really angry with God because you didn't understand it at the time what he was doing, doesn't mean that God didn't love you. It means that God was motivating us to do something different. And remember, if you go through a trial that seems overwhelming, I want to tell you this. I do believe that God allows trials to come to us to show us that we need to grow our faith to meet that challenge. I don't want the same level of faith that I had when I first became a Christian when I was five years old. Because let me tell you, friends, there are big challenges out there when God uses you in great and mighty ways. You need to have that faith built into you. Now, when you look at this, it says he received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say he spoke in tongues. Notice what it says. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. And when he received food, he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. You look at this and you go, wow, God. How you do things is so amazing. He didn't speak in tongues. He didn't knock any over rows of pews and didn't swing on any chandeliers. It says something like scales fell off his eyes. Now, evidently, sometime later, God gave him the gift of tongues because when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when he writes to the church of Corinth, he says, I speak in tongues more than y'all. I must have been Texan or something. I don't know. More than y'all is what it says. Now, what you find there is that God does give us more gifts as we go along on this journey of faith that we're all on to meet the challenges and to meet what God has called us to do. In fact, Paul says in chapter 12, the very last verse, he says, but as for you, desire the best gifts. Well, what are the best gifts? The gifts that complement what God's called you to do. If you're going to be a pastor, maybe the word of knowledge is really, really a great thing. If you're a missionary, maybe the gift of miracles would be really good. If you're a person that loves to pray for people, maybe the gift of healing. But remember, all those gifts are to operate together as if Jesus himself was here. And I love that. So looking at what God does in our lives, 
knowing that God does not have favorites, what he's done for others and Saul, he'll do for you. And I look at this and realize, how does God use us? Friends, I don't know. But that's what he does and how he works. Now, his invisible hand. The Bible says his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Whoa, wait a minute. His invisible attributes, the things that make God God, are clearly seen. Invisible, clearly seen. That's an oxymoron in my book. How can you have something invisible yet clearly seen? Because you see with a different set of eyes. You see into the spiritual world. Plato, who was a, a, a philosopher, not a, not a believer in God, 800 years before Jesus said this, we live in the shadow of reality. The real world is in the unseen realm. Have you figured that out yet? Have you realized there's more going on than meets the eye? Well, I, I pray you do. Because you see, God has a real purpose for you in your life. Just as Paul says in another place in Scripture, for this reason I was apprehended for the cause of Christ. God reached out and grabbed him. I have a purpose for you. God's got a purpose for you. You will be apprehended for Christ as well. And again, as he says, for he's a chosen, verse, going back to verse 15, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. Wow. God just singled him out. God just singles you and me out. He don't have favorites this morning. If you've never turned your life over to Christ, I don't care about your past. Look at Saul's past beats anyone in this room, anyone listening. In fact, it bothered Paul later in his life because he knew that he'd persecuted the church. But that doesn't stop him from doing what he did for God. And it shouldn't stop you from, first of all, coming to Christ. And second of all, saying, okay, God, pedal to the metal. Let's go. What will thou have me to do? That's all God wants is a willing heart. But when you do that, hold on to your car keys. You're on for the ride of your life. Because God will do amazing things in your life. This morning, if you're not a Christian, today's your day. What has God got to do to get your attention? Got to knock you down? Got to bless you till you, you, you can't have any more blessings? You're so blessed? Give you a negative prognosis from a doctor? What, what is it that will get your attention to realize there's something bigger than meets the eye? God's got something great for you. Something that will satisfy your soul. Not a temporary flash in the pan, but something that will satisfy your soul forever. That's what God does. This morning, if you're a Christian, and you've got a little disgruntled with God, because God didn't do it your way, I got some great news for you. God's ways are not our ways. God does things far greater than we can do because he includes everybody in that which he does. So not only does he bless you, but in that blessing of you, he blesses others as well. I would invite you today to be a blessing. Yeah, a blessing. 
And that comes by simply saying, okay, Lord, what will you have me to do? I'm abandoning my, my ambitions. What do you want me to do? And the Bible says, he'll change your life. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked the Lord in your life, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Christ to come into your life. If you're a Christian, but you find yourself backslidden, I want you to pray this too, because you're rededicating your life to Christ so that he will have that free way in your life to do and to use you to bless you, to satisfy you, and you'll have a reward that lasts for all of eternity. We're going to pray, and you can pray. Let's do that. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I ask you to forgive me of the life and the way I've lived it. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Show me what you want me to do, and I will do that. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to love you more, to love the lost more, and to give me boldness. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name, amen.